I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and a warm welcome from Barangaroo Studios on this Monday, well, midday. This is The Call, 10 stocks picked by you, two experts, one hour. I'm Danielle Akuye. And our two experts on today's show here for the full hour. Joining me is David Lane of Ord Manette and Daniel Ortiz of Lincoln Indicators. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Thank you for joining The Call. Afternoon. Very happy to be here. Okay. Yeah, and a busy morning as well. So lots to, lots to talk about today, I'm sure. Indeed. Busy as, as it always is in reporting season. And because we've got a really great group of stocks today, plus I have an interview with O Media's CEO, Catherine O'Connor, coming up, we are going to crack on in with the call today. So the stocks, the first five stocks of the call today are the Reject Shop, Super Retail, Shaver Shop, Wally and Strike Energy. And the stock of the day is O-Media. And O-Media has continued to benefit from out-of-home advertising growth, posting a near 6% rise in half-year net profit on a 7.4% rise in revenue. Double-digit growth in road and airport ads offset slight falls in its street and office tower advertising units. The company's share price has also recovered from its poor trading update in May at the Macquarie Conference, which sent shares down as much as 20%. And as I mentioned, stay tuned because CEO Cathy O'Connor will be joining us live to discuss the results very soon. But let's crack on with our two experts to give us uh, their thoughts on O-Media. So I will start with you, Daniel. Is this one uh, that you like? Yeah, look, O-Media, it's, it's, a, it's a very interesting stock and it's probably one of the most leveraged in the advertising market out there. So if you look at kind of the history of how the stock trades, it's, it's probably succumbed to some of the most um, cyclical cycles out there. So uh, positive news today in terms of the top line revenue, I think beat expectations, um, which, is, which is the reason why the stock has opened so positively. But there were a few areas of concern. I think gross margins um, have continued to fall as well as there continues to be um, a lot of contracts up for renewal in the short term. So for our view, it's, it's probably a little bit too uh, much on the risky side in the media market. There are some opportunities out there. I think, um, you know, even companies like Nine or even Seven West Media, which uh, just reported or or ARN, that, you know, they're all looking really cheap at the moment. So, you know, they could all be classified as perhaps a, a value play or, a, or a, you know, buying a, a cyclical towards the bottom of the market. Um, but O-Media is probably just a little bit too much on the leverage side for us. So is that kind of um, a hold if you have it or a sell or just an avoid? Oh, look, I think today's update probably warrants a hold. Um, you know, if you have that top line momentum, that is positive. Uh, but there are still a few risks in the near term, especially around the, those contract renewals. So definitely want to be watching it closely. Um, but I think for now, you can definitely hold it. Fair enough. I love, I love the fact that you say a cyclical cycle stock. <laughs> A double cyclical. <laughs> <laughs> so, David, uh, do you like O Media? Uh, we've got a whole recommendation on it, and that's really because they're now trading pretty much about where our fair value is. Uh, got a fair valuation of dollar fifty on them. The share price has responded very nicely today. It's up uh, about seven percent, so trading at a dollar forty-six. So, trading pretty much in line with with where we think that they should be trading. Um, but having said that, it was a, a good result and it shows that the the out-of-home advertising or, or uh, you know, particularly on the, the roadside billboards uh, and the, the airports have done very, very well. And that's part of the advertising industry that's um, doing a lot better than, than most other um, 
So we've seen a, a shift in as, as far as advertising spending is concerned that advertisers are no longer spending as much on free-to-air TV because they can't get the eyeballs there, but they are now spending a lot more on out-of-home. Uh, so it is in a good space as far as digital advertising is concerned, and they are O-Media is spending a lot as far as technology enhancements. So over time we will see that um, you know, the, the ads that we are seeing on the, the roadside or in shopping centres or in airports are more tailored to our individual circumstances, which may or may not be a good thing as far as privacy is concerned, but uh, it's certainly part of the, the changing landscape. And uh, O-Media, you know, they've invested well into that technology. So I think medium and longer term they'll do reasonably well, but currently think that they're, they're probably fairly, um, fairly valued. Fair enough. So uh, a couple of holds there. Looks as though we've got quite a few stocks today in the retail space. So let's move on to our first stock of the day, which is the Rejects Shop, ticker code TRS, picked by Chow. Now, Daniel, I remember this shop when my son was very young and we were told to go and buy up big for charity donations in the reject shop. Is, is this uh, a seg or a, a, a franchise, well not a franchise, um, a company that in this type of a re- retail environment you like? Oh, look, it's actually been faring quite well relatively to, to some of the other names out there. And I think, like you mentioned, Danielle, it's probably because they are, you know, renowned as that cheap, um, you know, secondhand shop that people can, can go to uh, when they're feeling a bit of budget pressure. Uh, and I just wanted to, to get some of these stats uh, correct. So I'm just referring to my notes here, but they're, they're quite um, heavily filled with cash at the moment. I think they've got about a, an $89 million cash position with no debt. So they are quite well funded um, and in a good spot with their demand. But overall, Overall, you know, we're probably just still a little bit cautious on the on the retail sector. Um, the numbers so far, if you look at companies that are reported, are probably across the board been a little bit better than what's expected. Um, and therefore, I think you can probably find opportunities in what I would say, you know, higher quality franchises or brands with a, a bit of a better reputation. So, yeah, I can understand the reason why you'd be holding the reject shop at the moment. Um, but, you know, for our money, probably not one of our preferred retailers. Uh, and they do obviously have that razor thin margin there. It's about, you know, 1% net profit margin. So, you know, in the case that volumes do start to decline, come down a bit, uh, you know, they will feel a lot of pressure there. So for our money, it's probably, you know, we'd probably look to trim it and actually allocate elsewhere. There are some good opportunities in the retail land um, and yeah, we'd, we'd, we'd be focused on higher quality businesses. So can I put down a sell? Does a trim equal a sell? Yeah, I think you can you can comfortably sell. Um, you know, if you, likely if you've held the stock and um, you've done well, and and the stock has done well this year, and you should be looking into to take some profits while the conditions look good. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, David, it's really interesting. I've heard that the big banks haven't passed on all the uh, interest rate rises yet in terms of mortgages. So when we look at the retail sector, as Daniel just said, it looks like a few consumers have been holding on a bit better, but being positioned at the lower end of the market, does that make retail, I mean, sorry, reject shop more interesting to you? Well, it's certainly at that end of the market where at, at one end you've got um, you know, people stop or reducing their discretionary spending. But at the other end, I suppose the reject shop is a beneficiary in some respects of of people spending less. Um, so they may well uh, have shopped at a more premium place previously and are now shopping at the reject shop. Uh, and their, their results... Their result earlier in the year was showing that um, improvement in as far as their sales were concerned. They did have some issues as far as costs during the uh, the pandemic, but they've improved as far as their uh, cost of goods sold now. Um, the stock is due to report on Thursday this week. So given the, the rally in the share price that we've seen over the last few months, I'd be inclined to be holding ahead of the result. Um, just to see a, a bit of an indication. And as you say, it'll be interesting to see uh, from their result and from many of the other retailers what we're seeing as far as spending patterns are concerned. Um, those uh, rate rises that you were talking about 
are certainly hurting the the people with higher debt and and higher mortgages. Um, so it could have a bit of an impact at that lower end, but it will be interesting to see. So I'd be uh, holding and, and not doing anything before the uh, the result on Thursday. Fair enough. Yes, it's it's very mixed. The retail sector. I saw poor old Adairs today got absolutely hammered, but uh, it's it's not on our list. So we'll we'll just move on. Uh, the second stock is a super retail picked by Tyra. Now, apparently, Daniel, they were really clever and loaded up in um, uh, Rebel Sports on Matilda shirts. And that really uh, might have been flowing through. Do you like super retail? Yeah, so this has been one that we've owned and uh, probably one of our preferred picks in the space. They, they really have two franchises that um, probably in Australia really resonate with customers and consumers, and that's Super Cheap Auto and Rebel Sport, as you've just mentioned. So they're really well positioned uh, in those. And, and Rebel Sport's actually been quite a defensive franchise over its history. Uh, there hasn't been too many periods of negative like-for-like sales growth throughout um, throughout the, the, the brand's history. And uh, anyone who's followed the stock knows that they're kind of going through this program of reformatting and and refitting those stores to become a little bit more hip and and exciting for some of the younger consumers as well. So um, interestingly, you know, they reported numbers above expectations, uh, specifically in the auto segment. Um, It seems like that's a bit of a theme this reporting season. GED Holdings as well um, reported better than expected numbers through that. So that would probably be the one to watch uh, in terms of super retail group going forward. Um, But there are some things kind of appearing in the near term. So one thing they called out is increase in CapEx spend, it's going to be about 150 mil, um, an increase of about 40 million for FY24, mostly due to store revamps um, and investments in distribution centers. Um, and of course, you know, the, the growth outlook is starting to, to slow down. I think Supercheap was the only one which had a positive start to FY24 in terms of growth. So there are probably, you know, a few reasons here to start being cautious. And that's why I think um, the stock, you know, did have a bit of uh, profit taking throughout that level, you know, opened up 7% and then came back down. So, you know, I think it's going to be hard to outperform from here, but it is a really high quality franchise and one we certainly like, you know, no no debt on the balance sheet, big cash position, special dividend. So lots of reasons to continue to hold this one. Okay, so a happy a happy hold. I was just looking at the uh, prospective dividend yield, um, and it looks like uh, around five percent, which is uh, not to be sneezed at in this environment. If they can hold that yield, David, do you like super retail? We're pretty cautious on retail in general, and I think in in this sector, um, as Daniel said, the the sport and, and auto part of the business um, accounts for about sixty six percent of their, their overall sales, um, and we do think that that sector is likely to moderate. So the analysts have forecast that that we're going to see declining revenue and declining profit over the next 12 months with super retail and also declining dividends. So I'd probably be cautious uh, at the moment, taking advantage of that uh, recent share price that we've seen. We've got a lightened recommendation on it. So I'd be looking at at taking some profits at current levels. Um, They're currently trading just above $13. We've got a fair valuation of $10 on them. So so uh, I think that you know it's probably a stock that has done well. Management have, have done well, and as you said, short term they've had that Matilda impact. But I think medium and longer term we're heading into a period where their sales are going to moderate. Yeah, it makes sense. I um, yeah always think it's really hard sometimes to justify retailers when the economy's slowing. But as we know, sometimes there's some oddities when people trade down or you know they're upgrading their cars or whatever. Nevertheless, yeah. let's move on to Shaver Shop, and that is the third stock picked by <laughs> Andrea today. Now we all know. People need to shave, albeit those that grow beard. Not so much, which obviously blew Gillette <laughs> up, but nevertheless, Shaver Shop. Uh, do you like this one, Daniel? Look, I'd actually put Shaver Shop in a similar um, category to the Reject Shop, whereby you know they are 
probably known more as the discount provider in this space. Um, they're always having you know pretty significant sales on and, and attracting customers through through that position. Um, and they, obviously, they, they look really cheap. Dividend yields quite high, and they're on a big net cash position as well. So I see a lot of similarities there. Um, the one thing that that sticks out is probably the increase in net margin. So pre-COVID, um, the business did have around a four percent net margin. Now that's closer to around eight percent. So you know it, it has had a bit of a shift in terms of going from physical stores more to that online segment, which should help support a higher margin for longer. But I think there are probably reasons to suspect um, that that net margin will feel a bit of pressure in the near term. So look, I think these guys have done an excellent job and, and management probably should be rewarded um, for the performance that they've had over the last few years. But uh, similar sentiments in terms of, look, it's probably not the franchise um, with, with a high enough uh, level of quality that we'd like to hold throughout the cycle. Um, you know, other names are probably going to be a little bit more resilient. Um, and obviously, you know, you're just not too sure how much there will be in terms of repeat sales uh, in that segment, in the shaving segment. So uh, for us, we can probably look to, to reallocate. So we'd look to lighten, take some profit and, and sell and, and look at other opportunities here. Just you mentioned other opportunities. So um, apart from you know super retail, which you've held, do you have any particular favourites in the retail sector? Oh look, I think I've been probably um, focusing more on Levisa. It's been one that we really like. Um, yeah, our, our portfolio manager is a big fan of the company as well, certainly, and we've held that for for a while now. So we're comfortable with the business. It does have the most in terms of expectations priced in. So you know, I think that will be probably the most volatile stock out there. If they don't meet expectations, you know, they will get punished pretty significantly. But in terms of uh, the business quality and and a franchise that you want to hold for the longer term, underpinned by that rollout story, you know, Levisa is probably the one for us. Fair enough. Okay. So, David, do you like Shaver Shop? Uh, it's it's okay. We've got a, a hold recommendation on it. Um, fair value about a dollar twenty-five. So where they're trading at the moment, they're they're you know trading in a reasonable band. Um, but as Daniel said, they have been facing some pressure as far as their sales are concerned. Um, they are due to report their their uh, full year result on Tuesday, uh, so we will get some some more uh, current information from them tomorrow. But their last couple of reports, their quarterly sales had been declining. So uh, it is a, a you know a stock that's relatively resilient in the current environment, but facing a fair few pressures. So yeah, we've got a hold recommendation on it. It's reasonably priced at, at current levels, but. It's probably not compelling, um, and it'll be interesting to see their result tomorrow to see, uh, you know, see a, a more current update of their sales. Okay, David, do you have any um, retail stocks that you know? You guys are pretty cool on the retail sector. Is there any one at all that you might uh, gravitate towards? Yeah, in general, as you say, we are pretty cautious. Um, the one that we do like, though, is Kogan, uh, and it's the the online business. Um, we saw the the online uh, retailers do exceptionally well during COVID. Their share prices have come back quite a bit now, um, and that is one of the impacts that we are seeing on Shaver Shop and super retail and the others is the the continued rise of online selling so whether it's amazon or whether it's kogan um both seem to be doing relatively well so kogan's one that we do actually like in that retail sector fantastic okay now before we get across uh the rest of our stocks picked by you O Media has continued to benefit from out-of-home advertising growth, posting a near 6% rise in half-year net profit on a 7-4% rise in revenue. Double-digit growth in road and airport ads offset slight falls in its street and office tower advertising units. For more, we are pleased to welcome O Media CEO Kathy O'Connor via Skype. Kathy, welcome and congratulations. Thank you and good morning to you. Great to be here. Indeed, indeed. Well, congratulations on the results. Um, not that uh, CEOs focus intently on share prices, but clearly the market has liked what they've seen. Maybe you could focus on what are the highlights of this result? It looks like your revenue growth has exceeded market expectations. Thank you. And yes, um, we're pleased with the 7% revenue growth 
that we experience start in the half. And we are part of a sector uh, in the media space that is showing uh, increasing share uh, of all media. And that's really about the mass reach appeal of out of home and the fact that the rest of the market um, is fragmenting. So we're very fortunate uh, as the largest player in the sector that we benefit from that structural shift towards out of home. So it was great to be able to deliver a result that was in line with the growth, the growth in the broader market um, if you exclude the impact of um, a new contract in the sector, which was the City of Sydney contract, which is uh, a contract that sits with a competitor. Um, so yes, it's uh, positive all round. I think importantly, the pacing uh, number that we provided currently at 7% for Q3 does stand as quite distinct from the guidance we're seeing from other listed media companies. So that gives us further um, cause for confidence that the momentum is with out of home. Indeed, indeed. What are some of the long-term structural drivers from out-of-home media? So I think the fact that the, ma the market is fragmenting is impacting the mass reach you can achieve in other media channels. And we don't simply have uh, that threat to the way that we perform. And increasingly, we're a digital medium. So the more we put new assets into the ground, uh, the more that we build out the ab ability for advertisers to target using data um, and all the creative um, things that you can now do in out of home, more tactical, more real time, and things like 3D anamorphic creative, um, they're all pillars for growth. And that's what you're seeing play out in the stats today. I'd be really interested just in terms of when you talk about that digital sort of transformation, given how connected we are, for example, I don't know, Saturday morning sports around certain areas for kids. I mean, everybody knows parents just hit the roads. Is that how you can tune in um, potentially with like Google, etc., to change the demographic for the advertising or the advertising for the demographic at certain times of the day? Yes, we are certainly starting to see an increased use of what we call dynamic creative optimization. So that will be using things like triggers, be it the time of day, to your point. It could be something like weather. Uh, it, uh, it could be something to do with the topical event in, uh, in a geography like the World Cup. Uh, no matter what your message is, the ability in real time to change your creative message is now very much just table stakes in out of home. And uh, that's quite distinct from the history of the channel, which was, you know, static billboards, one image, two to three weeks up and then pull it down. So all these new usage cases for out of home recommended alongside tactical mediums like radio and so forth. Um, and then of course the increasing digitization uh, brings new growth because one digital asset throws off a much higher profit than one static asset in uh, in the way we run the business. Indeed. Uh, I've just noticed some of the analysts are concerned that you have a very cyclical business, very tied to advertising spend. So on one hand, you've got structural benefits from out-of-home media growth, market share moving up, but obviously there's concerns about economic growth. And more specifically, some contracts that uh, you need to renew this year. Can you provide any colour around, um, you know, how you're seeing um, potentially economic growth, whether the slowing, and whether or not those existing contracts have scope for renewal, or you'll have to look elsewhere? So there's a few things there. So firstly, on your question about the outlook, I think a 7% uh, pacing number in, a, in the current market is incredibly strong and we are seeing a lot of category growth within that number so by category I mean the, the, the classes of advertiser retail food and grocery alcoholic beverages automotive um, domestic banks travel all these categories that were challenged throughout the pandemic are now resetting and building the growth and this doesn't appear to be abating in the revenue we have we see that we have booked in q3 so that's a good sign i think we are withstanding the broader economic uh, malaise if we if we look to what other listed media companies are saying um, in terms of 
the expiry profile of our contracts. This is a natural part of being an out-of-home operator. Contracts will come up for expiry. Um, and our success rate in renewing uh, our big contracts, the ones that we really want to hold on to, is in excess of 90% over the history of the company. So we're feeling very upbeat uh, about our ability to demonstrate um, that we are a strong commercial partner in moving ahead and uh, all the dialogue on those contracts are uh, is positive and, and very active. So that's a good sign. Um, Separate to that, there are always new opportunities and we announced today um, over the course of the last three months, three new uh, opportunities we're bringing online next year. Uh, and these sit separate to our existing plant and will bring 30 million of revenue upside potential to the company from mid next year. So there is always uh, both new opportunities and renewals. It's a normal part of what we do. And in the process, uh, over the longer term, we navigate that balance quite well. This next question, apologies if it's a bit of a silly one, but in terms of the infrastructure for your out-of-home media, is that something that you have to fund internally, those massive, you know, big, big signboards, et cetera, which are now being digitalised, or what we see around the city of Sydney or I noticed Wallara or whatever? Or do you get support from councils or whatever to put that infrastructure in place? Generally, it's the former, but you, but models are shifting and, and we do have um, concessions and contracts where the commercial partner is actually funding the CapEx. So it, um, but it's largely uh, O-Media's investments. In terms of the roadside billboards, these are, you know, very big enterprises. And uh, what will happen over the life cycle of, uh, of a contract is the screen will need to be replaced, but not the structures that sit around it. So the renewal rates on some of these CapEx investments that we make in billboards, for example, um, becomes less uh, once you really put that structure into the ground. Um, so yes, the models are evolving, but I would say for the most part, um, the CapEx is part of the commercial deal that we offer. And that also is tied to the rent that you pay. Uh, a contract where you paid less CapEx, you may pay a higher rent and vice versa. So there's no one uh, method and we're really flexible and really like to work with partners to understand what they want to achieve. Indeed, and I'm sure, I'm sure they hold a residual value because once the, the costs are sunk, then it has a value going forward. Just lastly, um, maybe you could touch on in terms of geographies, areas where you feel you're doing well. I read that, you know, there's been good growth around airports, etc. Is there any particular uh, specific generic locations that O-Media is targeting? Well, we're very broad, so uh, we have audiences everywhere, but we were particularly intent on boosting our Sydney CBD offering. Uh, Sydney's a critical market for our business. It's about 60% of the revenue. So to have attracted the Metro Trains contract and the Martin Place contract and now Wallara, um, that was mission critical for us. So it's terrific to be able to announce those, uh, those new contract wins today. Fantastic, Kathy. Well, congratulations. Well done. Um, we've really enjoyed chatting with you and uh, we really appreciate you taking the time uh, to join Ausbiz today to discuss your results. My absolute pleasure. Thank you for the time. Okay, that was uh, CEO of O Media, Kathy O'Connor, giving us her thoughts about today's results. So we are going to move on now to our fourth stock, which is Worley, picked by Grace. And uh, I am hoping uh, David is available to give us his view on Worley. Hi, David. Hi. Yes, uh, Worley's, um, it's an interesting business. They've been uh, in the professional services and engineering space for the predominantly hydrocarbons for a long period of time, and they're very experienced in that area. Um, Well-managed business, they've been through the, the various cycles, um, but we think at current levels they're, they're 
too highly priced. Their share price has done very well this year. They're up about 13% uh, in the last six months, 23% this year, and trading well above our fair value. So we've got a, a fair value of $12 on the stock at the moment. And we really think the market is probably over-anticipating the uh, shift towards renewables that, that Wally has been going through. Um, historically, they've had about 75% of their revenue reliant on hydrocarbons. Now it's just above 50%. So they are moving towards the renewable space, but we think that that move will take a lot longer. So a little bit concerned about their, um, you know, their, their current exposure to hydrocarbons. So I'd be looking at taking some profits. So we've got a, a lightened recommendation on, on Wally at the moment. Yeah, it has done incredibly well, actually, because uh, contractors are known to potentially have issues when they lock in mispriced contracts. Yeah, I think Wally uh, learnt their lesson I mean, uh, many years ago. They, uh, they did have some issues with uh, fixed price contracts probably five to ten years ago. So I think they learnt the hard lesson back then uh, and, yeah, have managed their projects a little bit better than, than some others have recently. Indeed, indeed. So, Daniel, uh, what do you think of Wally? Yeah, look, I, I just missed the start um, of David's comments there, but from what I heard, I pretty much agree um, spot on. So, the stock's had a pretty material re-rate. Obviously, investors are, are starting to value it as a bit more of a um, an ESG or sustainability kind of linked player, which, you know, it certainly is becoming that. And one thing that stood out to me is in the pipeline or sales pipeline, what they're projecting, around 73% of the work um, that they see is sustainability linked. So, you know, that, that might warrant a re-rate, uh, a re-rate but you know, for the time being, um, you know, I don't think you can put a significant premium on the business uh, because it's still exposed to many of the same um, risks that these types of companies are exposed to. So trading at a significant premium, I've also noticed that it's becoming a bit of an institutional favourite. It's probably, you know, the become the go-to way to play um, this thematic, even the, the batteries kind of thematic as well, rather than, say, investing through a mining company. So, um, you know, that, that positive sentiment at the moment probably makes it a little bit tough um, from a valuation perspective. So, you know, we, we would probably give it a hold at best, um, but likely, you know, take a bit of profits while you can. Yeah, it's it's funny, isn't it, how markets can get so obsessed or, or with the narrative and put a stock in there and we see it time and again. They run ahead because everybody's like, oh, well, that's the way to play that secular theme. And then, as you say, something else comes along to knock them off their perch. Okay, let's move on to the next stock. The fifth stock is Strike Energy, picked by Gordon. So, David, speaking of uh, so-called called transition fuels, natural gas. <laughs> yes, yeah, Strike uh, has done a very, very good job over the last few years of moving um, you know, from being a, an explorer to getting close to being a producer. Um, they've raised a fair bit of capital over the last decade, about $200 million to do that. Um, they've also announced recently that they're in the process of uh, taking over Talon um, via a scheme of arrangements. So they're continuing to, to expand their, their footprint and, and hoping to escalate the pace of their development in the Perth Basin. Um, so it's done very well. Again, the share price is up about 48% this year. So uh, a very strong performer in that uh, energy space. So we've got a whole recommendation on it. Um, our fair value is about 45 cents. So trading a bit below that at 40 cents at the moment. But uh, yeah, if you've got it in your portfolio, I'd be happy to be holding it. Um, but don't necessarily see that I'd be buying them at current levels. Fair enough. And uh, Daniel, do you like Strike Energy? Yeah, so we typically don't like to, to play too much in the development or the exploration stage in oil and gas. Um, but as David mentioned, they've done a pretty good job at executing. And I think that that merger with Talon, um, they had a minority interest in one of their projects, I believe. So they're consolidating it, or at least in the in that geographic location, um, they're consolidating. Uh, and you know, one thing we'd also point out is, I know there's already been kind of retracements of these comments already, but you know, potential changes to the, the WA um, oil and gas export um, concessions as well might impact this company. There's, there's been some talks 
but you know unlikely for that to to that uh, to transpire but you know i think that's a, a risk not being priced in as well so look these guys have done an excellent job but there is a lot of execution risk to come from here um developing projects in this in this segment is, is a little bit tough and granted they um you know their projects aren't as large and and probably not as much technical risk in there um but still certainly a factor that that you have to consider so yeah we'd probably like to have our exposure elsewhere but still see the the ong market the oil and gas market as somewhere which is um pretty attractive right now to have some exposure but probably more on a risk off um uh, player than, than strike so would it be kind of a light and slash sell yeah, from us, from a from more of a positioning perspective. So we'd probably rather have um, something like a Santos in there, something that's already producing, got the free cash flow uh, coming out and, and has options for growth anyway. So um, that's where we'd like to be positioned. But uh, for some investors out there with the heightened risk appetite, you know, they, they might choose to, to stay in strike. Fair enough. Okay, let's move on now to a summary and stock of the day was Omedia. And if you've just joined, we did chat with the CEO, Catherine O'Connor, which you can check out on our website later. So Omedia are two special guests. Well, basically both Daniel and David have a hold on the stock. Looks like uh, the results have been good, share price has gone up, but Daniel just makes the point that it is very leveraged to the advertising spend. Therefore, it is very uh, cyclical in the in the cycles. So he just makes the point that there's some risks to some of the contract renewals. And if you would like to play the advertising spend in the Australian economy, both Nine and Seven West Media are looking very cheap at the moment. And David says fair value of around $1.50. Out of home advertising is doing well. Good space moving into the digital technology. But yeah, a hold. Okay, let's now discuss the five stocks picked by you. So the reject shop. Uh, really done quite well this stock so daniel he's seeing at as being well it's well positioned it's got cash on hand of 80 million dollars 89 million dollars no debt but it's got very thin profit margins about one percent so he has a trim slash sell on that and david well basically they're not too disposed towards the retailers at the moment and the company is going to report on thursday so in his view it's probably worth holding on to at this point in time and seeing how it does then then we move on to super retail we've got lots of retailers today and daniel well he has has, uh, it's been one of his favorite stocks. They have held the stock. It has done terribly well, but just worth noting that they are investing another 40 million or an increase of 40 million in CapEx going into full year 24. So they're looking for growth to potentially slow down a bit here. So a hold recommendation from Daniel and David just makes a point. They are cautious on retail and basically would say fair value here that Ordmanet has is $10 and uh, the valuation's a bit stretched, so a light and take profits. Then moving to a shaver shop. So um, Daniel just makes the point that really this one too has done very well out of lots of price discounting um, and would very much say that it's, it's not one that they would want to hold through the cycle. So he has a hold on that one and just worth highlighting that LaVisa is their preferred retail stocks although it may be quite volatile in the come up to come coming up to their announcement on their earnings because there is a lot discounted in that one now turning to David a fair value hold on super shaver uh, full year result coming out uh, tomorrow so maybe hold on to it then but he likes online retailer Kogan and then moving to Wally, which has been hugely re-rated off the back of the move away from hydrocarbons towards an exposure in the renewables energy space. That's according to David. Now, they have a fell value of $12 on the share, so have a lighten recommendation. Just some concerns that all that, I suppose, uh, blue sky potentially being discounted there for the renewable sector could be a bit optimistic. 
optimistic. Very similar story from Daniel. He would just say that, uh, you know, it is an institutional favourite at the moment because of that space, that narrative, that secular theme. But he would say the premium is, is very much sitting in there. So it's a hold slash lighten. Then we move to the last stock of the first half hour, Strike Energy. So moving from a gas explorer to a gas producer, $200 million being raised, says David, taking over Talon. So it's been a great performer, 45 cent um, fair value that they have on the stock and a hold recommendation. And Daniel generally doesn't like to invest in the higher risk explorer moving to production and just makes the point that they've done a great job but execution risk continues so he would have a sell on that and would have preference for the likes of santos now the call is tracking our own high conviction fund which is picked by our investment committee the latest episode of the committee meeting is live for you to watch at osbiz.com so let's check in with the portfolio update going into august index was replaced by aub the committee spent on cash one percent went to each of seek altium and prometicus and let's see how the portfolio is performing and the fund is up 4.5 59% on a cumulative return basis since inception on March 1st, 2022. So keep sending in your requests and keep the call switched on to see which stocks our committee will be looking at next. Now we're going to crack on to the next five stocks of the call today. And we have Origin Energy, Chorus, Brambles, Ingens, and Cobram Estate Olives. So Origin is the sixth stock picked by Al. So David, Origin, I'll tell you what, some, these stocks have performed a little bit better than some people had anticipated, I feel. But do you like Origin? Yeah, they, you're right. They've performed very, very well. Um, Origin's up about 48%, 47% this year. Um, they reported very well last week. Uh, they've returned to profitability. Their utilities business is doing well. Um, and we have actually upgraded our earnings expectations and our fair value. But our fair value has only increased to $8.80. So they're pretty much fully priced where they are at current levels. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens as far as the, the takeover is concerned because currently they're, they're under uh, takeover from the, the book. Brookfield Consortium. Um, don't know whether that will get through ACCC, uh, but even still, that that values are origin about eight dollars ninety. So, given the improvement that we've seen in earnings from the company over the last six months or so, uh, it will be interesting to see whether or not they they do need to increase that offer uh, if they do get the the approval from the ACCC. Um, but yeah, currently we've got a, a hold recommendation on the stock. At at current prices indeed and uh daniel it, it's it's uh as david made the point it looks like that brookfield uh price that's being offered could be a little bit on the low side given how the company is benefiting from these higher wholesale electricity prices do you like uh, origin yeah, look, it's, it hasn't been one we've covered, um, but certainly if you look at its business units, specifically the, the APL uh, LNG segment, um, obviously that's been a really strong performer with the uptick in energy prices as well. So, um, you know, n there's no doubt that both AGL and Origin had, you know, very uh, attractive bids come in uh, at a time where they were at the cyclical low in, in their point in the cycle. So um, both of those companies have done extremely well. I believe the, the offer now for Origin, I think it's um, purely just at the, the the FIRB review, so um, I think they've they've actually accepted it, just waiting upon those approvals. Uh, but I haven't been following it as closely, so so just to, uh, might be worth double checking there. So that's why the price is trading so close um, to the offer value. But of course, you know these businesses, you do have to to be a little bit careful of some of these cyclical inputs because it's not just um, obviously the the generation or the electricity assets. It's also a lot of those energy producing assets as well. Um, I think in the result. What analysts were, were calling out was a, a huge benefit 
um, from their Octopus Energy um, investment as well. That looked like they made a, a profit well above expected, um, which could have given them a bit of a bumper result there as well, beating expectations. So, look, if it doesn't go through, certainly one to revisit uh, and have a look at. Um, but for our view, you know, it, it looks like this is going to go through. Uh, one thing I did want to call out is in New South Wales, the coal reservation scheme. They, they saved about $170 million uh, in coal costs there purely from the government's intervention from the, the coal reservation scheme. It'll be interesting to see whether, um, you know, the New South Wales government, you know, essentially forces that to be passed on to consumers because I'm not too sure if that's being passed on at the moment, um, given it's a pretty significant saving that, that they've been gifted uh, by the government there. Mm, indeed. So what sort of um, rating would you have on it? Yeah, look, if you held it, you'd probably hold it into the, the decision, the determination here. Um, but, you know, it, the market's pricing it in as if it's going to go through. So, you know, that's probably the, the the key catalyst here. If it doesn't go through, I think the shares might trade, you know, perhaps a little bit weaker just on, on obviously the, the takeover premium fading. Um, but if you've held it, you know, you're likely going to hold it continued from here because the, the conditions are still strong. Fair enough. Okay. Uh, seventh stock is a chorus, ticker code CNU, picked by Kit. So is this one that you like, David? Uh, it's not at the moment. We've got a lightened recommendation on Chorus. Um, think that they're, they're probably a little bit overvalued. Uh, they did actually just announce their result this morning and the market's a little bit dis- disappointed by that result, down about 3.5% so far today. Their result was impacted, though, by the, the costs of the uh, cyclone and flooding in New Zealand earlier in the year. Uh, and management have actually indicated that they are looking for for growth in earnings over uh, financial year 24. So it is a bit of a positive outlook that they're seeing. Um, but probably the issue with Chorus is that their their main business has been the rollout of fibre technology across New Zealand and now finding that that's a fairly saturated market. So, um, yeah, they're, they're now in the 90s as far as the uh, the coverage of, of New Zealand's concerned. So probably see yeah, that their growth is, is limited a little bit going forward. Um, and, yeah, think that current levels, they're, they're probably a little bit overpriced. So I'd be uh, lightening the, lightening the um, stock. At current at current prices. Fair enough. And uh, Daniel, uh, what do you think of Chorus? Yeah, so it is a great um, a great stock and then you know, significant player in the infrastructure market in New Zealand. I don't think many people really follow this one um, from what we've seen uh, in terms of investors in Australia. But you know, for those who aren't familiar with it, like David mentioned, they are the biggest kind of network infrastructure owners uh, rolling out. They used to have the the copper network. Now, obviously, rolled out the fibre network there. So you know, kind of similar to what the MBN has done, or similar to what Unity Wireless used to do as well um, with that with those rollout programs. Programs. And that's why the stock does trade at, at a pretty big premium because those assets, you know, they they, they do trade um, on a takeover value uh, significantly higher. You know, if we I can't remember the multiple now which Unity Wireless got taken out, um, but it is above um, what Chorus is trading at. So there's reason to be positive on these types of assets. Um, I think, like David mentioned, they're kind of heading towards the end of their rollout, which from an analyst point of view seems like you know they're quite positive because that means their expenditures will start to slow down. So they, they want to see a material pickup in free cash flow. Now, based on the result today, um, costs are, are going to be higher than expected and particularly operating costs as well. seems like they're a little bit stickier than, than what um, the company was referring to. They wanted to engage in a bit of a cost out program similar to, you know, we're seeing Telstra and the likes do something like that, but it might be, you know, a couple of years before they're able to enact that. So look, I think it's one to watch. Interesting, interesting assets here. And obviously, once you get that slowdown in expenditure, you still have the price increases on the network, it can result in a big increase in cash flow. So one to watch, but you know, it is very uh, fully priced in at the moment. So I think the best you can do here is a hold. Okay. Fine. Now let's move on to the eight stock Brambles, ticker code BXB, picked by Alex. Yeah. So it's actually not done too badly, has it, David? But, uh, you know, cyclically might be in the right sort of space if uh, things start to slow down, well, even more in Europe and also in the US. Yeah, that's right. It'll be very, very interesting to see from their result. Um, 
which doesn't come out until the end of the month, so the 30th of, of August. But it will be a very good read-through in terms of the the global economic activity because Brambles is a global business. As you said, they're in the in Europe, the US, um, South America. So it will be a good uh, leading indicator of, of economic activity. Um, our view is that it should actually continue to do relatively well and that their sales momentum has been fairly strong to date. Uh, they should finish the, the year relatively strongly and um, you know, could well start uh, financial year 24 with a, a reasonable sales momentum. Um, but having said that, I'm starting to sound like a broken record. Uh, <laughs> they're trading at fair value and we've got a hold recommendation on it. So uh, our fair value is $14, trading about 1410 so I, I don't real, really see a compelling reason to be buying the stock at current levels. Well, that's fair enough. What about you, Daniel? It's, uh, yes, we've well, touched on it. It's done quite well. How do you see it? Yeah, well, it's it's trading. I think if not at near time, or if it's not at all time highs, it's near all time highs. So, uh, yeah, the stock certainly has done really well. It's it's one that we own as well, and clearly, what we've seen just from a broader, I guess, macro view is that this reporting season, it seems like defensives are our performing cyclicals, and I would probably put Brambles more on that defensive side. It is cyclical as well, but certainly classified more on the defensive side. So, I think, um, like David said, there's there's a really strong reason why this is a well-held stock. Um, In terms of growth, um, you know, the volume growth has obviously started to concern investors, but the pricing growth is what has really kept them afloat. So, you know, they're going to have constant currency revenue growth of over 12% this year, which for, for a business like Brambles is is very, very uh, irregular and hard to come by. So, uh, and unlike someone like an Amcor, who's probably felt it more on the margin side, um, these guys are, have been able to have relatively defensive margins because a lot of the, the pallets are already in circulation. So, yeah, from our view, it's still really well placed Um, we're happy to hold it we're certainly um, holding it into the results uh, and we think um, that will give you kind of the next expectation for FY24 whether they can kind of sustain this growth or not Um, expectations are still pretty high you know some analysts are expecting double digit earnings growth for the next two or three years which you know is is is, I would say a little bit irregular for a company like Brambles so you know we like the defensive space and we like this company we'd be happy to hold it yeah wow yeah double digit growth interesting so now we are going to move uh to two stocks which probably are quite cyclical sometimes they're a bit challenged uh and our ninth stock is ingham's uh ticker code ing picked by tom so david i think their results were well received but you know poultry (laughs) not always that easy is it well, it's not, but Ingham's are the, the largest vertically integrated poultry uh, manufacturer or producer in Australia. They've got about 40% of the Australian market, about 35% of the New Zealand market. Uh, and as you said, the result was a very good one. Um, share prices has responded very well to it, uh, and our analysts have also responded well to the result. They've uh, upgraded their their earnings forecast, um, EBITDA was up uh, by about 14% on the year and uh, our analysts have upgraded their forecast and their recommendation. Uh, we've got an accumulate recommendation on it uh, and increased our our fair value to $3.70. So even with the, the recent jump in the share price, they're trading at uh, uh, 337, so they're well above um, you know where they were, but still have further upside. We think from current levels, so it's actually one that we we quite like it at the moment. Cool. So a bit of a a bit of an accumulate. We like that. Uh, That's right. Are we going to get potentially another accumulate slash buy recommendation on Ingham's, Daniel? Oh, look, uh, it, it is a very difficult um, kind of environment, that agri space. And you know, similar to Brambles, it's all about the pricing and, and chicken prices, obviously, were, were the standout here. I think they grew about 14% year on year. So that was ultimately the, the key driver for the result. Um, what I will say is that you know they, they are in a good position now and you'd assume they, they'd start to generate better cash flows going forward. Um, but one of the interesting comments from the management call was, was about feed pricing. And they said that feed pricing is likely 
to be elevated for at least probably the next two years. Mm. Uh, and one of our analysts probably saw that as a really good opportunity to get interested in Ridley Corp again. So, you know, we'd probably be preferring that type of business model rather than Ingham's. Um, you know, they had a great result too as well. So, you know, for our view, we, we would probably prefer to even rotate out of something like Ingham's uh, and have a look at something like a Ridley Corp because um, it does seem like they are having some, some great underlying conditions as well in the feed market. Oh, interesting. So they actually do the feed, do they, Ridley? Yeah, so they're in animal um, pet food manufacturing and also uh, the feed um, manufacturing as well. So they do have a few brands that any pet owners might be familiar with, but a large part of their business is in that um, that feed stock for, for cattle and, and, and um, chickens and poultry and things along the like. Yep, yeah, great. Okay, so with Ingham's, would you have a sell or a hold on it? Uh, look, uh, we're, we're probably a little bit cautious on these types of stocks. So I feel like for us, it'd be a sell, uh, but certainly for certain investors out there who are, who are happy to ride out um, this type of cycle, then then you can stay in it because the conditions are strong. But our preference would be to, to lighten it and to move on. Okay. And let's crack on to the ninth stock of the day, Cobram Estate, uh, which is a CBO ticker code, a Cobram Estate Olives, picked by Paul. I have to uh, fess up. I buy the oil. I like the oil. And uh, yeah, so let's speed through this one. What do you think, David? Yeah, it's actually, uh, it's taken us 10 stocks, but I've got to a buy. Um, we do like Cobram. We think that uh, it's it's fair values well above where it currently is trading. I think it's worth about $1.54. Um, their share price has been under pressure because their update earlier in the year indicated that their uh, their oil production was was lower because of uh, colder weather. Um, but we think that when they report, it should be a reasonable result. They'll report on Friday of this week. Uh, so yeah, we do have a buy recommendation on Cobram and think that it's a, a stock that um, yeah shows long term growth. Cool. And Daniel, do you like Cobram? Oh, look, if we thought Ingham's was tough, then then this business is, is uh, even further <laughs> to that point. So look, we don't like it. But similar to what David said, I think there is a bit of a bottoming out in, in this company because they do have kind of multi-year growth cycles and harvest cycles. So they can go through periods where the financials just look terrible, um, but they're probably coming out of that point now. So if you are in the stock, you know, this is probably the, the time that you're going to start to get a little bit excited and hopefully start to see um, some of those cash flows come through. But but it's certainly challenging. I mean, the, the debt position has grown pretty considerably, about 170 mil in net debt. So, um, you know, they will need a bumper harvest and a bumper sales period to, to offset that. But having said that, the conditions, um, you know, potentially are starting to turn around, but not really a, a stock, you know, we, we'd like to cover. We'd like to have the olive oil. It's a, it's a good brand and, and they do good products, but um, probably don't like to own the company. And maybe I'm not sure, but David, I'm not sure if you know if they own um, the farmland as well and that they own the assets or whether they lease it because I think that might play a part in in terms of the valuation as well but just not too sure on that point yeah I think it's a combination that they they do own some and then they also uh yeah um get the production from a number of farmers um as well so yeah a bit of a combination there okay fantastic well a couple of minutes to go so let's quickly run through these last five stocks so origin energy remember brookfield taking over have had some really great results but both david and daniel have a hold on the stock and obviously if a firm knocks back the brookfield uh, acquisition you might see some downside pressure in terms of chorus yeah big big infrastructure play we're talking the likes of kind of an nbn in new zealand uh, Lighten for David. It's currently overvalued. Results a little bit disappointing and a hold one to possibly watch from Daniel. Brambles, um, great performer, very much benefiting as a defensive style stock. Also, they've been really benefiting from price increases. Will be interesting to look at those results, which are coming out on the 30th of August. But both Daniel and David have a hold on that one. And Ingham's uh, Poultry, yes, one of the largest, most vertically integrated
rated or the largest poultry company here. So the analysts, um, as David cited, have upgraded this one to an accumulate with a price target of $3.70 post the results, where it's a difficult space, according to Daniel. Really feel that it's, you know, it's, it's margins could be under pressure and feedstock prices are potentially rising. So he has a sell and would prefer Ridley Corporation. And Cobram Estates, as much as we all love the olive oil, well, really, we have a buy from uh, David, just saying that at fair value around $1.50 on that one. And uh, result is out on Friday. Whereas for Daniel, he really doesn't like going into this agri space so much, but did make the point that potentially you are going to see a cyclical low in terms of the earnings for this company, but generally an a void. And as the clock ticks over with one minute to spare, thank you so much, both David and Daniel, for joining the call today. Uh, we had a lot to cover, but we made it through. So uh, good luck with the, the rest of the week and the reporting season. Thanks, Danielle. Yeah, thank you. Okay, well, that is it for the call today, but uh, do not go away because uh, there's a lot more coming up. And any stocks you'd like us to cover, go to osbiz.co forward slash call picks or tweet us at Osbiz TV. And uh, don't go away, there's a lot more coming up after the break with The Pulse and Andrew Gagan. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. So Robert, tell the people, what's a pretendian? It's just what it sounds like, Angel. A pretend Indian. Someone who fakes being one of us? Someone who impersonates a native. We're talking about real scammers and con artists. There are pretendians teaching at universities, pretendians running governments, pretendians in Hollywood. On our new podcast, Pretendians, we'll tell you the incredible story of these jaw-dropping frauds. Who are they? Why do they do it? And how the heck do they keep getting away with it? Listen to Pretendians on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. Acast.com.